Alrighty, folks, welcome to another edition of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Mania, 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 mania. I'm Melissa. And I am Jesse. And today we're going to tackle Richmond City Council scandal. Scandal. We should get oh, the uh, and theme scandal. <laughs> <laughs> we... This one probably is going to be a little off the rails, but you'll enjoy it. Oh, because so we'll be rails. enjoying it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, sadly, I do have a shout out. Francesca's not here. So we're I not going to have like all of her extra, 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 extra. Extraness. Yeah. We're going to miss you, Fran. But we'll try to do right by you. And bring hmm. the the best shade that we can bring. I, I've I've been practicing my Fran voices all weekend. Oh, excellent! <laughs> all right, so we're gonna go and get in the time machine and take it way way back to the year before I was born, 1978. Flashing back, it's disco time. You know, Richmond's pretty much disgusting and dirty and in shambles. It's amazing, and we have a council person named Raymond Royal who seriously looks like your 1970s dad. It's, okay, so please, 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 when you are like not driving in in a safe situation, please Google his picture. Because he's everything that 1978, in my mind, as someone who did not live in 1978, that's what I imagine in my mind. It is. Um, Wow, chicka wow. Seriously, (laughs) that stash, the 70s stash, is strong with this one. This guy... I can't get it out without laughing. So the Bank of Virginia foreclosed on Royals Henrico County Auto Dealership, which, you know, I guess that happens. Um, He was in shaky financial straits. And so the FBI issued a warrant for him. And he decided that the best way to deal with that was to get on a boat. Originally, the plan was to sell the boat. And his idea was... Let me sell this boat, I'm assuming, because like I'm, I'm adding in the logic here because RTD did not give us any logic. But I'm assuming if you have money outstanding and you own a boat, you might sell it to pay off said debt. But apparently, like, 1978, Craigslist, not a thing. Not a thing. So the person never showed. And then I think just straight panic must have set in. <laughs> because he, he got in... <laughs> Went out on May 30th in 1978 from the Hampton Roads Marina in his 17-foot boat. And he told his friends that, you know, he was going to go show it to prospective buyer, but he took it out alone. And then the boat washed ashore the following day with a damaged hull. Which, you know, this, we shouldn't be laughing because in this moment, you know, that this is a serious situation right. where a council person who is under investigation, who has a wife and children, has died. And they have a funeral service for him and everything. Except we can laugh because he didn't die. Nope, he turned up in St. Louis not too long later. Like, I think it was within the year, actually. So Just so, working a regular old job. Yep. So, calling himself Michael. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And if you read the articles, it's really confusing because the way of disguising himself was literally to, like, remove letters. <laughs> from his name like there's michael with no a in it at some point and i got really confused when i was reading about this who was whom and like royal has two l's if you do decide to google this but when he was in st louis only had one l like it it was very rudimentary um fake your death and move away scenario go off the grid i guess change your appearance never really occurred to him but you know um good job guy did an excellent job um but they caught up to him sure did yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, that begins our our storied history of criminals invading city council. Honestly, I just, you know, basically, like, what I'm gathering from this is that he was gone for like, six months. The city, his family, his kids, for six months. Six months. What a horrible individual. I mean, think about it. What a horrible individual to put your kids through that. Instead of just saying, you know what, I'm an idiot. But no, life on the run in St. Louis was a way better plan. And honestly, it's funny to me because also... I didn't know about this one until we decided to do a show about council scandal. And then you have this moment where, like, when you think council scandal, which, honestly, we're going to get into most of these, you probably think late 90s, early 2000s of a number of characters that are going to pop up that, honestly, are still around in Richmond today. Except for one that that passed away recently, but we're still going to talk about him because it's Richmond history. Yep, but... You don't think a guy that faked his death and showed up in St. Louis. And here's the next <laughs> question I have is, I just want to know, like, why St. Louis? Yeah, well, I don't Louis, understand. I don't... Like, So none of the stories, uh, none of the newspapers tell the story of, you know, why. Why he chose that. No, like, I didn't see anything about, like, oh, he had a mistress or, like, no. some added level or, like, there was a family member there. And, no. like, the other thing is, is there was actually two people that reappeared with him. So there's two people that um, worked at the car dealership, two gentlemen, which... I mean, honestly, I, I, I have questions. And, you know, if you think about what 1978 was and the climate was, I, I might have more questions because to me, when I read this, was it just about the money? Was there something else? Where, why would you want to leave your entire right. life behind? Right, over $10,000. What a horrible individual. <laughs> or a hor- an individual in just need of help. Lots of help. Lots of help. That was, so starting off in the right path. All right. We're going to um, start at the very beginning with, uh, what's his face again? Michael Royal. Oh, well, he was Raymond Royal. There we go. And then he became Michael without the E Royal. Like, why? Well, I think we'll move into somebody who Richmonders really do have like a love-hate relationship with. And that's our boy Chuck Richardson. Oh, now we're into the 90s. This would be 19- late 80s and oh, then into the 90s because right. his first conviction was actually in 1988 okay, when so he confessed start. to a heroin addiction. Yeah, so like let's rewind a little bit further because he was a Vietnam vet. So he's a Vietnam vet and his heroin addiction he has attributed to his time in the service, which so many vets came back with all kinds of addictions and PTSD and whatever. So I actually am very sympathetic with Chuck. It's a hard life being a vet, being somebody who saw that kind of, you know, crazy trauma. And if I remember, there was actually drugs given to our soldiers. Oh, yeah. To give you kind of the brief overview of the quick highlights. So in 1985, he was arrested. 88. 88. Sorry. 88, he was arrested. And he pleaded guilty to two misdemeanor drug charges. And then in 1995, he admitted to relapsing into a heroin addiction. After Uh, being caught on film selling heroin. With Miss Tammy Taylor, 24 at the time. Yeah, and that was an undercover drug sting. Yep, in uh, Eastern Henrico at 10.30 p.m. on a Sunday. And then in 2004, if I remember, it was either 2004 or 2005, he ended up, the cops raided his home and um, had another relapse. He was very upset. Uh, They showed up when he was playing some pool with his wife, just hanging out, banging on the door, and they wanted to go to his son's apartment around the side. And, you know, he was fretting, like, right away. And so they get in, they start going through stuff, and they found a small amount of crack cocaine. And then they said, we need to search your entire residence. But they said a search warrant specifically was for the entire residence. And he said, no, Jesus, not the whole house. 
He was arrested, charged with heroin possession, but was acquitted by a jury. Here's another fun story about old Chuck, though. So when he was in jail for the 1995-1996 conviction, he was a popular city council person, but he was not very popular inside the jail. And uh, he got into a little bit of a scuffle over control of the television. Yeah. Many of the inmates just really didn't like him, and they thought he was creating disturbances. And the inmates wanted to watch the football game. And he was like, I don't want to watch this football game. So he got up and changed the channel, and there was a slapping match. A slap. A slapping match. Look, for people that don't know who Chuck is, like, let me think about ways that you might know him today. Oh, and he was cause... the fifth district councilman, by the way, the spot that um, Parker Agilasto currently holds. Yeah, so he was in the fifth district city council, and there's a lot of other things that Chuck did. And unfortunately, his heroin addiction that, you know, came from the war right. overshadows a lot of really anything that he did. You know, most recently, ways the first, the first way I was introduced to Chuck, honestly, was... Um, in 2016, there was 20,000 people who wanted to run for mayor. Oh, yes. It might have been at least 15. The entire population of Richmond. Yeah. And, to throw their hat in the ring. Yeah. And Chuck was one of those individuals. And f- there was a Brooklyn Park forum that happened June 15th-ish, if I remember, which was actually before any of the um, paperwork was due to prove that you had the signatures to get on the ballot. So what's interesting about this forum was... It, technically, everybody was invited, but there was some kerfuffle, if you will, about was everybody truly invited? But it wasn't. Everybody who was at that forum did not make it on the ballot. No. So, oh, no. So Chuck was one of those individuals. And, you know, there's two people, Chuck and then Mike Dickinson, who weren't invited, allegedly, to the forum. Mike is known for his strip club fame. And he was not a stripper for the record. It just. <laughs> <laughs> Take it off, Mike sorry. D. Sorry, Mike D. Um. If you look, he was he owns and has managed strip clubs in Richmond. And his whole thing was like, well, if you're not going to invite me to the forum, I'm going to bring strippers and hot dogs to the forum outside, which I'm still waiting for. We're in still waiting for the mic. Where are our strippers and hot dogs? But what was, I think, the funniest moment, there was only a certain number of chairs up front for the mayors, the candidates running for mayor. Chuck Richardson just waltzed right on up there. Good God, y'all. Yep. Just no questions asked. Like, own that on. joint went on up there, got on stage, and plopped himself down. And he constantly ended up getting cut off by time because he had, like, a monologue to everything that he had to say. Chuck is still pretty active in the Richmond Crusade for Voters. Um, His daughter is actually the treasurer in Richmond. Yeah. And I think what um, is interesting is, you know, since the time that he went through recovery several times as we all know honestly like heroin is one of the hardest things to break there were moments where i i've been in my like 3 a.m deep dives i found where chuck would be nominated for something and somebody would actually use and nominated for something like a a board or a commission Mm -hmm. and people would use his his past history against him but something that i've always been impressed with about chuck and this is where i've been going on all of this is like why do you all know who chuck is because I do want to give him some props. Because honestly, in the um, mayor campaign, Morrissey, with all of his problems, was actually likened to Chuck Richardson a lot. And for me personally, I think they're very different people. They're incredibly different people. Because, if only because, A, Joe Morrissey. I, I, I love little girls, they make me feel so good. Right? <laughs> but B, Chuck Richardson went to recovery. 
and has time and time again admitted he has a problem. Yep, he's owned it. He's really owned it. And like even in the things where people said, well, we are not going to give you this commission spot because of your past, you know, he's had the moment of like, I've been in recovery. I understand I'm still on probation. He is one of the people that I feel like has paid his penance. Yeah. You know, as we're going through all these different council people and all of the different scandals and things, when we talk about how to handle problems, are the things that Chuck could have done better? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, should he not have sold heroin? Probably, yeah. That would be a good start. But I do appreciate Chuck for this very unique place in Richmond where he did find a place of recovery. And for as ridiculous as it is to think that a 5th District Council person was caught on film in the 90s at the height of when Richmond was known as, like, the murder capital. Oh, yeah. And this is where I think Melissa mentioned, like, people have love for Chuck. People have love for Chuck. They're not trying to run him out of town. These are the moments that I think people have. But he did do the right thing in the end. Yeah. So. Aw. Look, I have, I have love for Chuck. I want to hug Chuck. I'm having flashbacks to the cigarette tax also debate when he came. Oh, so cute, oh, though. Oh, my God. When he came and he showed up and he got into the wrong, to the wrong line. line. <laughs> but but nobody cares because he's Chuck. And so you just let him say his thing and let him, you know, mosey off when he's done. Talking about Lucy's. Oh my gosh, he's a hoot. Like if you can if you get a chance to go back and um watch some interviews with him or just listen to him come and comment at city council, it's a hoot. It was so funny. He was campaigning for Jack Barry, rolling around the fifth in a convertible with a megaphone, you know? He's still involved in political life after all of that. And um I have to give him credit. Yeah. For like- sticking through it and uh staying by Richmond, even though sometimes Richmond didn't stay by him. Yeah. I'd also, I can't poo-poo anybody with a drug problem. I can't do it. If you disagree with me on that, come fight me on Twitter. For me, the biggest thing in all of these, and I think you're probably going to see a theme as we keep talking about them, is it's what did they do with that as a moment that they've had? You know, there's some people that shirked away. Um, but there's also people who stood up and continued to operate in the spotlight and not admit that there was a problem. It's true. But who's up next? Oh, do we want to talk about Leonidas Young? Oh, man. Can you give me some backstory? Who's Leonidas? Okay, so Leonidas Young's a, a former council person and mayor who in September of 1998 was charged with racketeering and fraud. It really did include like a lot of people in his orbit, in his political orbit, but it also included his church, Fourth Baptist Church. Lot of mercy. That is a real shame. Oh, by the way, also, here's another blast from the past name. Michael Morchower was his attorney. If anybody knows who that is, also um, has been Reva's attorney at times. Hmm. What year was this? So this is um, 1998 and 99. Okay. Also, uh, in 1999, he was convicted of influence peddling during his term as an appointed mayor. Let's see. So, yeah, he was indicted on 19 federal charges. 19. So it was four felonies of obstruction of justice, mail fraud, and filing a false tax return and he spent two years in a federal prison camp in South Carolina so what had happened was uh, when he was mayor from 94 to 96 he accepted money from companies wanting to do business with the city and then laundered those funds to conceal their sources the indictment also alleges that Young committed fraud by concealing larger campaign contributions made to him by Bruce Gottwald and William Goodwin two of Richmond's most prominent business leaders at the time William Goodwin you might also know him as Bill Goodwin he's actually been on a couple superintendent search committees and 
then when people mention the gang of 26, and I'm using air quotes for this, he's a name that's in the mix for those items also. But this is actually what I find to be the most egregious part of what Leonidas Young did. He plundered the life savings of Vita Booker, who's an 83-year-old member of his congregation at Fourth Baptist. Um, He acted as her power of attorney. Uh, He chose a less expensive funeral home, contrary to her written instructions. Yeah. And then... um, it enabled him to uh, make use of those extra funds. Wow. You know, that's pretty despicable, right? Oh, but there's more. <laughs> oh, I'll let you keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. So, um, Leonidas Young, a married father of two, apparently needed the extra cash to support a lavish lifestyle and extramarital liaisons. He needed to get meals for his gal, some Victoria's Secret lingerie, some jewelry. Yeah. He was doing that. What was her name? Carolyn Jacobs. Carolyn Jacobs was, um, she was the wife of his campaign manager, and he had an affair with her. Man. Also, he made it so that it looked like this gentleman Miller and Jacobs, the husband, were doing kind of uh, consulting work when they really weren't, and uh, used all of this extra cash that he, um, to pay them 8000 and 17500 respectively. He was real, real dirty. So these things that were supposedly campaign donations um, were being used for not so campaigny things. Other fun facts. Um, oh boy! So uh, the first one of the first times, so like I obviously I didn't grow up in the city, and I didn't grow up like Melissa watching City Council in Richmond. I'm sorry, I'm such a dork. Nobody and... is expected to do that. Oh my god! <laughs> but if your children want to do that, I'll tell them all about it. Not that there's anything wrong with it. One of the first times I heard about Leonidas Young was actually um, watching a Joe Morrissey in 2016. It was a Joe Morrissey's law firm um, commercial. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was the wife of Leonidas Young because what you have to know is that he did pass away in, I believe, 2015 or 2016. So it's pretty it recent that he that passed long. away. It was basically his wife saying that Joe Morrissey helped Leonidas Young, her husband, get his voting rights back and like restore his, his voting rights as a felon. The other part that's another fun fact is that where he was with Fourth Baptist, when he did get out of prison, um, he started a whole other church called New Kingdom Christian Ministries. And New Kingdom Christian Ministries is still around today. Um, Actually, Melissa and I were at a meeting where somebody from that church was speaking and actually gave us one of their cards. Oh, that's right. So it's interesting, you know, when you look back and you see the history of some of these individuals, that the history does still prevail. And there's still a lot of people today that will defend Leonidas Young to the death. People look at pastors, even when they've done bad things, and they give them a pass sometimes. You and I might not agree with that. Everybody's got their reason for doing things like that. But You know, people get very attached to their pastors. They're men of God and they say, oh, well, maybe they were just tested. So the other thing I think that, you know, we would be remiss not to bring up is the racial dynamic and the racial dynamic of Richmond in the late 90s and the 2000s. I mean, we could even go into 2018. Sorry, guys, we could. And thinking also about, I question, was Leonidas the Young, was he the first and only person that decided to do these things? Or was he just the person that got caught? And I I question, and the unfortunate thing, honestly, is that when you look at, you know, my parents that have a perception of the city from the outside of growing up in, like, the suburbs, and they're in the suburbs. And the unfortunate thing to me is also just we can't not mention the headlines of also just how this looks. And I think as we continue, we're going to continue to see, um, honestly, black members of council that were personally, I think, held to a higher standard 
than some of the white counterparts in council. And there's some of the stuff that, like, again, you know, it didn't go to trial, so we can't definitively say it, but they weren't the only ones that were doing some of this stuff. No, there's been, you know, long time rumors of all kinds of folks with their fingers in the pot that they shouldn't have had them in there. No, it's just a question of like. Who gets caught? Who gets caught and who has the cops come after them? I I, I really love this segment just because also like on top of just the ridiculosity of some of these moments. Mm -hmm. I think it also creates a very clear backdrop of how did we get here in 2018? Oh, yeah. Oh, also, something I did forget to mention, too, is because all of these people are connected to people who are still in politics today. Interestingly enough, some of this money went to Donald McEachin. Oh. But he had no idea. He had no idea, really, what was going on, apparently. So he got $2,000 from it. And then he later received a separate $3,000 check. But he didn't wasn't aware that anything was illegal, and he actually did not use it as a campaign donation and paid taxes on it. I, I mean, think- talk about the tangled web. We weave. Oh, oh, for oh my sure. gosh. It's it's rough because, like, there's people in this city, and I don't understand it. You know, I've gotten to arguments on Twitter before with people who are just adamant that money in politics is from people's, oh, we just have the best interest in heart. Unfortunately, like, there are people that we're going to go through who are in minor, and, and I think a lot of, a lot of Richmond's perception, minor, like, a dude faked his own death, y'all. Like, right? Like, that's pretty serious. Like, over things that, I mean, in the scheme of things, like ten grand is a lot, even in nineteen seventy eight money. But like to, fa- to to say, I'd rather di- like. I'm I'm still we're still so blown that that actually happened here. No, it's just such a great I think example. It really is of just like the level of um, lengths that people will go to, and I actually have a really great like tie up point at the end that we'll get to. Okay, it's gonna be fire. Get ready, y'all. All right. All right, so are we ready to move to somebody else? Oh, for sure. Okay. Now, this person, after their stint in jail for their indiscretions, um, did not stay beloved. Gwen Hedgepeth really ruined herself and, uh, you know, her standing in Richmond. People don't really have any kind of warm feeling towards her. This is the craziest story, y'all. This is... What a mess. So first of all, can I say like this moment? So Quinn Hedgepeth was a council person, mm-hmm. councilwoman, and in the ninth district. And that's Southside, which is, you know, it used to be Chesterfield County. This would have been pretty recent, actually, to when we annexed Chesterfield County. Yeah, this so this been the is, late 90s. Um, yeah, it's uh, 2003 is actually when she was indicted. Okay. So. so she was indicted in 2003. And Gwen's an interesting character because... She was known to go to really great lengths for her district. And when I say great lengths, I'm talking hunger fast, y'all. Oh, my gosh, she did. She had a hunger strike, which, you know, that went over like a turd in the punch bowl. She wore all black. Like, Took they were, to her guns. She was very much like the very, like, adamant, um, adamant, I'm going to do everything that I possibly can, including not eat to try to get the ninth district something, something from this council. What's interesting, and honestly, this is this is this is where it's funny to me right now. Just so you guys have like a frame of reference, I'm about to go through this from memory. All right. So get ready, Melissa. I'm ready. Melissa is about to fact check me on okay. me doing this from memory. So there was um this guy, which I'm not gonna remember his name. He was very orange and a real estate guy. We're not talking about Lewis. We're talking about the other guy. The other guy. I'm about to do this almost mostly from memory because I did have to look up this person's name. And I'm super stoked. And Let's go through it because this Melissa's is a good story. Gonna fact check me right. on my storytelling. Okay. So 
what had happened was, as we mentioned, Gwen Hedgepath um, was an individual. I actually also in the middle of my Googling found out that it was a 25-day hunger strike that she did um, in all of her glory. And there was this gentleman named Bob Davis, Robert O. Davis, Bobby Davis. And Bobby Davis... Um, Not to be confused with Bobby Junes, who's a benevolent, confused soul. This man was orange. Like, if you thought Trump was orange... <laughs> This man was orange. It's not even like me making an observation from photos. Like this was things that were mentioned in the newspapers about how constantly orange this guy was. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, the story's not about I him. I know myself. So, okay, we're back. back Robert Davis was actually somebody who in the 80s was convicted of a felony. Um, I believe it was for committing arson of his own property. So That's he correct. was a property developer and a property manager for various apartment complexes. He actually, fun fact, managed properties for current 8th District Councilwoman Reva Trammell for free. For free? Who does stuff for free in this town? Yeah. And so at this time, to set the stage, you know, he, he already has a felony on his record. There were some question marks around how he was reporting his taxes to the IRS. So this is yet another case of people don't get in trouble for the actual crime. It's the tax cover up that comes from there. And so allegedly, like his whole defense in this was like, oh, but there's a whole bunch of different companies, yada, 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 whatever. He was asked by Lou Salamonsky. So Lou Salamonsky you guys should just Google his name because that's a whole, whole episode in and of itself. He would be known. Um, I actually found a Richmond Times Dispatch article that attributed suspicions of him being connected with almost every single council scandal in the late 90s and early 2000s. Yep. He was real big into that um, that historic tax credit fraud. Yeah. And, and he actually did. So Lou Salamonsky was a developer, basically, that did end up in federal prison. Yeah. Um, for the things that he did do. Lou goes and asks good old Bobby Davis to bribe Councilwoman Gwen Hedgepath. And it was, I believe, an amount of $2,000. A whopping $2,000, which will buy you a junker of a used car these days. <laughs> and it was because they wanted Bill Pantelli, who was the first district council person at the time, to be appointed as the city manager, a.k.a. the mayor. The mayor. Dude man had other problems with the law, so he wore a wire. And there's like a transcript where basically Hedgepath had some bills to pay. It wasn't clear on exactly what kind of bills she had to pay. But she had some financial debt that she needed to pay that was apparently at least $2,000. Which, fun fact, in the state of Virginia, we're one of the only, if not the only, states that allows people to use their campaign funds for personal use. Can you believe that, y'all? Seriously, just a little tangent here that if uh, people running for office want to pay their electric bill with their campaign funds, they absolutely can. Mm -hmm. He wore a wire when he went to go give her when that is the $2,000. And there's this whole exchange where basically she admitted that she was going to report the $2,000 as individual contributions of less than $100. So that if you know anything about campaign reporting, um, basically... If it's less than $100, you don't have to report the name. So you don't actually know where it came from. So that was on the wire, but it wasn't just that one time. Then there was a fast forward. That was for her vote to Bill Pantelli, which I should actually say out loud, Bill Pantelli allegedly had no knowledge that this was going on. This is totally like a Lou Salamonsky thing, trying to get the right. person that he wanted, which to be fair, regardless if you knew or not, I'm kind of like, mm, 
Yeah, it's all a little. Mm. It's all a little. Mm. There was actually a second time where Robert Davis wore a wire to meet with Gwen Hedgepath to bribe her for another, I believe, $2,000. And in that conversation, I could be wrong on the exact amount, but there was a second time. And in that conversation, she was a little bit hesitant. She basically was like, she kept saying that she didn't really do this kind of thing. And, you know, she was going to use the money to buy computers for, for children and all of these things, basically seeing how she was going to really use the money. There are some like articles that kind of alluded to the fact like maybe she knew that she was being wired tapped mm. at that point and eavesdropped on. Um, but regardless, there was actually two times where he was able to successfully on tape after being, of course, uh, he, uh, he, he snitched. Mm -hmm. um, let's all be real. That's all that is, snitching. And he was on tape bribing Gwen Hedgepath. So from what I remember, he actually didn't get in trouble for that. He got in trouble, I think, for something else that was involved there, like a tangent. He didn't end up getting the same deal he thought he was going to of immunity for, like, his own tax issues, which I think is also the most hilarious thing of, like, right. you're that bad dude that, like, the FBI is like, yeah, we're still going to prosecute you. She ended up going to prison and then also yeah. Lou Salamonsky. I think that was also the same he thing also... that got him locked up because he was trying to bribe Gwen Hedgepath. So yes, he uh, pleaded guilty to extortion conspiracy uh, for arranging the bribe to Hedgepath, which totaled $2,500. Okay, so the second one had to have probably been $500. Yep. Um, and then she took the fall for her part. She was convicted in 2004 and sentenced under the Federal Hobbs Act, which prohibits politicians from accepting gifts in exchange for political favors. Yeah. On the flip side, uh, Salomonsky says he has reformed himself, and now he is an outspoken advocate for historic tax credits instead of, you know, mm -hmm. you know using right. them fraudulently. And this, this is, again, where I go back to race. Because, you know, Gwen Hedgepath is somebody who is a black woman mm -hmm. that, from my knowledge and everything I've looked at, has never really resurfaced into politics. No, she served 44 months for yeah. this. 44 months. Um, and she really didn't get back into politics. She did, however, petition and uh, was granted her voting rights. She was restored her voting rights in 2012. Um, Bob McDonald was the one who did that. And uh, he is no stranger to scandal as well. And I think actually Bob McDonald restored Lena as Young's, if yes. I remember, um, voting rights. I just she's how, never how recovered from it. But you see, Salomonsky is back in business. And in, in literally back in business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think also the other thing to note is the difference of, I think there's two dynamics here, one of them being um, the racial dynamic of black-white, of the difference between Gwen Hedgepath and Lou Salomonsky, but then also, on a second layer, female and male. Right. And, I mean, you know, if you Google Lou Salomonsky's name right now, uh, let me figure out when he was actually, like, he was released, it... It was 2005 he was released. Yeah. And in 2006, there's articles about Salomonsky <laughs> white-eyeing Two Towers in Scott's Edition. May 2018, Salomonsky eyeing Wyndham Hotels in Shaco Bottom. You know, this is somebody who has had a long-standing history of corruption and who has tried to influence politics and how for year after year people – always knew that he was behind some like real dark stuff mm -hmm. but he never really got nailed to the wall and we can see Gwen Hedgepath got 44 months over $2,500 right over, and I mean 
doesn't that seem ridiculous to you? And she's never been able to really recover from it. No. And to be fair, like, I don't know if Gwen has honestly, like, tried, tried. But at the same time, for somebody like a Lou Salamatsky, who's a developer, to literally go back into the exact industry mm-hmm. that he was in. Like, ain't no thing. Welcome and, you back with open arms. Yeah. Right. And have the money to be able to do that. And, like, for city council to not have – are we double-taking? Having a, like, hold on, who, who, who? who? Um, because even when, when I moved back into the city, he was a name that everybody still had, like, a, a lingering – for as much as people make mention of, like, Jim Ucrop, it's, like, the shadow – of Lou Salamonsky. Yep. You're listening to WRIRLP 97.3 FM, Richmond. The next up is a doozy. Okay. Former 6th District Councilman Saad Alameen. He was a Yale-educated attorney. He is a Yale-educated attorney. Um, he moved to Richmond originally in 1969, and he really sure, he made a splash right off the bat in 71 doing a Black History Month speech at George Wythe High School, where he labeled white folks honkies and devils, which, to be fair, in 1971, white people were honkies and devils. In 2018. I might not argue that still. Just saying. <laughs> in 1988, uh, he was accused by the future mayor, but then councilman, Roy West, who's also a black man, of being a racial pimp, uh, exploiting every tragedy in the black community for his own publicity game. What? He even had, okay, so, and this this should not be shocking, coming from Mark Holmberg. <laughs> are we really going to quote Mark Holmberg right now? We are. Oh, dear God. We're there. All right. We are. Yes, at times, our new city councilman, Saad Alamine, sounds like a racist. From a 1999 column. Stop. He compared Elamine's political strategy to the Ku Klux Klan's, rallying the troops against a demonized foe and then urging action and unity for the safety and purity of the home team. That says more about Mark Holmberg than it does Than it does about Saad Elamine. And that's why I wanted to read that, because you know how I feel about it. Okay, moving on. The deal with... With Saad. Sorry, Melissa's probably laughing because, like, I'm sitting here with my eyes closed in the most pained possible look. There's a there's a lot going on with Saad here. Um, it's it's pretty painful. He was disbarred for taking money from his clients, including a car that he drove. He took a car from one of his incarcerated clients as a uh, you know a retainer, and then he fixed it up, drove it around, traded it in, and traded it up for a new whip. Uh, he also took money from clients and, the you know, quite a few thousand dollars, didn't do any work for them, didn't get back to them. And when they were like, hey, man, I'm sick of it and I'm going to fire you, he didn't have the money in escrow. He had spent it already. And he kept avoiding and avoiding and avoiding. And finally, the Virginia State Bar was like, you know what? We've had enough. Bye. And they yanked his law license for four years. But that wasn't enough. <laughs> He was convicted in 2003 of tax fraud, and he did a three-year stint in the federal pokey. But he came right on back when he was done and got right back involved in politics. He can't stay away. He, While he was on council, he also tried to bill a trip to Jamaica with a companion, and he called it a sister city visit. So, and this is an interesting backstory, too, to a couple things that are going on right now, is that council, right now, they have council district funds that are, like, 12 grand a year or something like that. Yeah. It's really not that much. Back in the day, though, it was, like, 100 grand. Ooh, and that rollers. The theory behind it was that they could use that money in their districts, which, honestly, I'm not super opposed to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because right now what we have is we have council people who will lobby 
to get their projects added into the budget and the really their pet projects of things mm-hmm. that they want for their constituents and, and all of that. So there's part of me that says for a hundred grand a year, that's an equal playing field to be able to say, sit down, focus on your district with that hundred grand. But he had some like fact finding mission that involved going to Jamaica yeah. and he actually got called out on it. It, it, he brought a lady friend with him, did. if I recall. Yes, a companion. Yeah. So the problem, though, is, oh, is again. he's also married, by the way. Oh, yeah. And the problem is he was doing this with district funds that were supposed to help what district? Oh, mine. The six. Six. Which so, is, you know, um, a historically impoverished district. Yeah. So like, there's stuff where you can look around and say, you know, maybe these district funds were a, a good idea. Uh, there's a specific word. It was like PAYGO or something funds. Um, of how they called them but it's honestly a cool idea it's just put in the hands of people who didn't do the right things by their constituents unfortunately that whole um, 2003 conviction just to clarify so he pleaded guilty to charges that he had fraudulently represented one of his legal clients Um, in exchange federal prosecutors dropped the charges that he and his wife beverly crawford had that they uh cheated the internal revenue service out of 700 thousand dollars he did he served 34 months of a 37 month sentence for fraud um and he spent his last couple of months in a halfway house in atlanta he was telling friends um during this time that he actually had no desire to return to richmond stop he didn't just tell friends he told everyone and he said that he was by everybody the media media there are literally articles where he swore not coming back not coming to richmond but he did he did come back. Um, Specifically, if I remember, he gave a reason, and it was something I can, I'm not going to quote it correctly, but he said he's never coming back to Richmond until there was, like, racial healing right, in Richmond. Racial healing. But he came back after that. Um, and then, you know, he's been... He was back, um, I want to say he might have been gone for two years at most. Because... Well, this was, this is a different time. Oh, oh. There are two oh, separate wait, wait. times. Stop. I'm not kidding. So when he was in the halfway house, uh, you know, after serving his time in August 2005 is the first time he said, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. Oh, I was thinking when he did in 2012. No. (laughs) And in 20, there's an article um, from Style Weekly in 2013 where he was like, the city is unsalvageable and I'm leaving for Texas and I'm never coming back. I hate this place. I'm going to burn all my bridges and get the hell out of Dodge. He resurfaced again in 2015, um, actually less than two years after he left. And guess what he did? He represented, uh, what's the guy's name? It's a Fernando Lightfoot in the case against um, Mr. Hudson, the principal from Holton. Oh. He was demoted after a series of incidents between himself and um, Hudson, the principal, the then principal of Linwood Holton, um, and he accused Mr. What's his name, Mr. Hudson, of sexual harassment and demoting him because he thwarted Mr. Hudson's sexual advances. Yeah, I forgot. There was and so Saad Alamine was um, helping the guy out and uh, represented him through uh, the employment rights advocates and actually so i didn't realize he came back in 2015 because in 2018 this year there were actually videos of on youtube of Saad Alamine talking about the meals tax yes he um has been doing stuff with crusade for voters he's got a podcast 
there's also a very interesting small video of him saying that he does not have a hard on and i happen to have a clip of that you know i got no hard on for mr 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 hicks although people may think i do i really don't i don't have a hard on for him don't say it. i don't have a hard on for him your language towards the end we're towards the end now and we'll just run through a couple of the maybe lesser scandals that we've had the few little handful that are left we won't dwell too much on this one but we do have to mention that eighth district councilwoman reva trammell has had a few scandals in her past we all know how much she enjoys the police and and she's a firm advocate one way to put it. Dan Quinney is the police officer who was found in a parked cop car behind the Virginia War, War Memorial at 4.15 in the, in the a.m. in December. And for the record, the War Memorial was not in his precinct. Right. And that's also not in the 8th District. But they were apparently talking about policing the 8th District. We don't really know what they were talking about or what they were doing, so we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. But he was demoted and given a $15,000 salary cut after this. So also, though, um, she um, she got slapped by one of her police officer friends, and she told another police officer not to report it. And city council folk cannot interfere with police business, and you can't give direct orders to any city employee. That didn't do her so well either. But like some other folks, though, she's bounced back. And when she lost her seat, she apparently committed pretty hardcore to coming back and changing her stripes and changing her image. And she's been in council now, on council now since... Consistently since 2004. By all accounts, she's beloved by many people in her district. I went to her district meeting the other day, and they were screaming, I love you, Reva. We're family forever, Reva. Just like some of the other folks um, that have turned their lives around, maybe so she has. The other part that I think is just interesting about Reva is, uh, I have to bring it up because we're on the radio. It's We're on the radio, and... Um, I feel like it's relevant to everybody here. At least it's relevant to me. So... There was a radio show that uh, referred to her as Reva Trample. On WRVA, that was Alan Price. And she actually sued him for, I believe, defamation of character. But uh, nothing nothing was filed, though. She threatened yeah. it, but nothing was filed. She was outraged. She called in. Um, but she just has like, a lot of... She's a very flavor flavorful council person. Because also, if you go far back to when she was originally filing her petitions to run uh there's a news article about her where she was in like a tizzy trying to get her documents there by the end of like the day that they were due and she ended up slipping on her steps and she fell and broke something like her ankle or something she still got the documents there in time to file early only to find out she was early which so there's just like she's an inter she's fascinating because you know there's um now even you can see there's a very strong love of police actually her council liaison is a former police officer and she's always very very pro cop <coughs> obviously there is an alleged history of her romantically involved with police officers um and she's also an interesting one because you know she's somebody who bounced back and continues to be elected Again, we go back to like this is this is literally the same time like when we talk about timelines of this stuff like 
Revitramol, if we look at Sodalamine. Gwen Hedgepeth, it's Gwen all Hedgepath. This is like, these are overlapping even because like there's articles where Gwen Hedgepath called Revitramol to like offer basically her condolences of like, man, it sucks that you're being indicted right now. So there was like, or off of their support, I guess would be not rather not condolences. But these are things that are overlapping in Richmond history. Mm-hmm. And it's really a fascinating, fascinating web when you look at like, especially if you know the fact that like, Reva's property manager was Bob Davis, who was named one of the worst landlords in the city by Robert C. Bob, who, P.S., recently worked in Petersburg. On their debacle, On yeah. their whole situation. And also, Robert C. Bob was involved with, like, doing audits of Richmond Public Schools back in the Wilder days. You know, he's the one that actually said Robert Davis was the one of the worst slumlords, second only to, like, Stallings. And then fast forward, he's... Robert Davis is the one that's like, I'll wear a wire to catch Gwen Hedgepath. So it's just the the level of just how deep some of this stuff goes oh, yeah. and the history of some of these, I would say, characters in Richmond. Right. Oh, I also want to mention, too, that um, Reva also, though, isn't afraid to push back against the police because she has gone toe-to-toe with Durham about not having enough police in her district. So as much as she loves them, she's not afraid to push back when she doesn't think they're doing their jobs or their bosses aren't doing their jobs. She does fight for a certain you know, section of her district really, really hard. Uh, She's worked diligently to kind of erase all the poo-poo in her past. And uh, most most people I don't even think know about it. No, honestly, there's so many people that I'll mention, well, Reva loves cops, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And they just kind of blankly stare at me like, what? But I also, again, I, I think this goes back to the original point that we made in the very beginning is like, what is the racial dynamic in Richmond, you know? Reva is a white woman. Right. So, you know, there's always forgiveness Mm -hmm. in that sense. Whereas, like, Gwen Hedgepath really hasn't been forgiven. I mean, there are are articles that are just from a year or so ago talking about it, calling her scandalous and the most sneaky uh, politician we've had. She's Uh, not the only sneaky politician we've had, but yet she's getting called out. We let Lou Salamansky, the developer, who attempted to bribe her. Right, but we let him back into our society with open arms, it seems. It's kind of ridiculous. The tamest of the tame of city council scandals is Bruce Tyler's $300,000 green alley that was brought up when um, John Belisles was running against him. Y'all, there was a mailer. the The first district seat, and there was a mailer about this gorgeous Taj Mahal of an alley i mean it was nice though i mean but it's over at saint christopher's though it was like a greenway right and a whopping four people had complained about it so you know that totally warranted a three hundred and sixteen thousand dollar alley overhaul that was that was bruce tyler's little (laughs) scandal anybody recall doug wilder's like Saturday night massacre thing where he kicked out school board from city hall the same day he released to the press that porn had been found on a computer allegedly, and found. allegedly found in Bill Pantley's office. Ooh. 
And and Bill Tansley was on city council. He was on city council at the time. He was council president at the time. Um, but he didn't know anything about it. And apparently it was a computer that he rarely ever used. And it was not supervised. So he was told by the mayor personally and uh, deputy chief administrative officer Harry Black that, you know, oh, it was no problem. We're not implicating you personally in any of this. Yet then um, the mayor's spokesperson, Norman, went back to the press and was like, there were 277 instances of visits to inappropriate sites on that computer. And Pantley was like, what the heck are you talking about, dude? That, I mean, in the grand scheme, that is really minor after some of the other stuff we were talking about and what we're going to talk about right now to wrap it all up. I don't know how many people actually remember this, but Kathy Graziano's liaison turned out to be kind of a dirty perv. I don't know how any other way to put it. Not Tim Grimes. No, not Tim Grimes. Okay. This is. A, I had a lot of oh, puns. Oh no, no. Grimes. This is. This is uh, previous to that. Her name is not helping me on the puns. Like I was gonna come up with so many puns about Tim Grimes being grimy and uh, whatever. Continue. I'm so done. David Hathcock <laughs> was accused by two separate women of inappropriate conduct. One of them was grabbing her. It was Jennifer Wall. Um, grabbed her in her office, pulled her onto a chair and kissed her in City Hall, which she was not about that. Um, The other one was Dina Fultz, and she was at her home in June of 2010 with Hathcock, and they were discussing some kind of community project. Um, It was never really released what they were talking about. Anyway, she was going through a divorce, and she started to cry. And so Hathcock was like, may I comfort you? And so she said, sure. And then he asked her permission to kiss her, okay? But she said, of course, because she was expecting a peck on the cheek because she thought of him as a grandfather. But instead, he did a full-on lip lock. So how this involves Graziano and also our friend Reva Trammell, Reva told Jennifer Wall that Kathy Graziano called her a prick tease and that she enjoyed the offensive touching by Mr. Hathcock. Now, Reva swore up and down that she didn't ever speak to her about that. And of course, Graziano said she never said anything like that. But it went to trial and all the charges were uh, dropped eventually because Hathcock agreed to do 100 hours of community service. Yeah, and he obviously doesn't have his job. They kicked him out. Or he retired, which, why was he allowed to retire? Like, why was he allowed to just say, okay, I'm outie? Why was he not just fired and all of his benefits taken away? I'm going to go with... Because uh... he's a dude and he's white? Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. you know about that. That's everybody, right? That's everybody. That's okay. everybody we're covering this week. So, I have some, <laughs> Oh, my like... God. Oh, my God. Are you, like, are you over here going... I feel a little skeeved out now. So I'm and honestly, like, I'm not even sure what I feel skeeved out about. Is just, yeah, these people were, mm, well, were not good people at all. Right. And at the same time, I also see like the inequities mm-hmm. of the inequities between the racial dynamic of black and white, but also the gender inequities between men and women of how how this was covered at the press. Yes. How people remember it. Like, that to me is the most offensive part of all of this. Well, and like you said, I watched this stuff since I was 11 years old. That was like 1990, okay? My parents were always appalled that I was interested in this because of the characters they read about in the news, in the Times-Dispatch. 
And like to me, you know, when you look at um, th- this is kind of my my soapbox moment. So take it out right now, Melissa. Get the bedazzled son of a Woo! out. <laughs> First of all, you know, I, I also it, it breaks my heart to think about how this impacted people's perception of black leaders in Richmond, and especially when this is around the time where you're starting to have finally you get to. You know, the first elected mayor would have been Doug Wilder, which would have been 2005 or six, if I remember. So the mid early 2000s and all of these things that we've really cited to when things really hit a breaking point of the late 90s to early 2000s. And you look at the people who were on which side of the whole do we need a mayor at large and a popularly elected mayor? Like these were things that contributed to that. Mm -hmm. And these were things that got people on board with that. And there's a number of different places where I can probably point to and say, like, does that actually solve the problem? And my my question where I say, does this actually solve the problem is, does, you know, council was always popularly elected. It's just the mayor. And a lot of the people that we're talking about right now are council people that were always popularly elected. Mm-hmm. And we've gone through a number of different scandals, a lot of them that end up like financial side of things. And we mentioned that... In Virginia, it's legal for people to use campaign funds for their um, personal use or whatever they want. Right. There's no accountability there. And I also look at this is in a time that was really pre the prevalence of Internet, which now a lot of council people, not all of them, though, Mm -hmm. file their uh, reports through like online sources where if you go to VPAP, VPAP.com or .org, whatever it is, you can look up and see what people get donations for. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this to me is Richmond City has been slandered or li- whatever the one is of like people speaking, both actually slandered and libeled in the media. And this is like Richmond City, mm-hmm. not these individuals, Richmond City. Yeah. Because not everybody is like this. Right. And but the, but the impression we... lingers right. on forever and ever. People still think that our system of government is totally corrupt because yeah. of these people and you know the the mayor system didn't really change it um there's still things that happened afterward that i'm sure we can go through and spend so much time on if we look at things of like that doug wilder did that were questionable if you look at dwight jones like there's a whole other episode of this that we could literally do just off of the former mayor right just on the mayors and hey maybe you should uh, stay tuned for one of those in the yeah future. But, you know, at the end of the day, the way I look at this is this is where the people are so important because holding people accountable and letting people know that not only do they need to be showing us full transparency and understand what transparency is. Right. It's not just releasing documents when they're obliged to legally. It's providing information and access to information. Handily and happily. Exactly. And I, I look at so many of these issues as things that, you know, it's not that they could have been necessarily prevented, but maybe we could have avoided continually reelecting the same people when we can actually dig down into the truth and the reality of things. Mm-hmm. And for me, where I look at, like, I love talking about the scandals because, first of all, hello. Right. But also, it is such a pivotal point for us to be able to say to Richmond, do better. And it's not... It's me saying to elected officials, y'all need to do better. We need to do better. Hold ourselves accountable here, Richmond. We contributed to the reputation that we have. 
And if you want to make it better and if you want to change up the status quo, vote (laughs) or talk to your council people. Let them know that you're paying attention. Let them know that you don't want this, you know, sordid past to continue to follow us Mm -hmm. unnecessarily into the future. No, that's that that's really where I was going with in the very beginning of like we'll talk about Jesse's lessons at the end. Because <laughs> it is such a broad lesson for all of us to really recognize the importance of people in all of these things. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of them, you know, I've read a lot of the back and forth and I could probably sit down and probably break down a lot of different places where I'm not even sure some of these charges should be filed that were actually people convicted on. Because there was other stuff happening at the same time that was just as bad, if not worse. Right, but it was like, a, you know, a smokescreen. 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 Right. Political games. Yeah. And the only way to stop the cycle is for the people to not just be involved in the ballot box, but to be involved day to day at council meetings, at district meetings, at mayor's town halls. Just emailing your council person, calling them speaking to their liaisons there's going to your civic association meetings there's so many ways that you can change the trajectory of our government yeah and you know i know that i do a lot of things of like i'm probably like the extreme extreme example but like you can dabble in government you can. It can be a hobby. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be your life. Like, you don't have to have all of your friends that do this and talk about this. Like, you don't have to be us, but <laughs> just, just, we need all of you. We do. We need every single person to open their eyes and open their minds and open their mouths. Yeah. Yep. To move Richmond forward. Right. Oh, dear. Well, thanks for joining us for the dirtiest episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania that we've ever had. Next up, mud wrestling. Woo! (laughs)